1: tighter skin guarantee with this seven-day routine tighter skin or your money back get a 15 percent discount code by using the discount code game that's fiber skincare it's the game of roses welcome to the game of roses this is the game of
2: roses welcome to the game, to the game of roses
1: Wolverine. I'm the best there is at what I do, but what I do isn't very nice. Welcome to Game of Roses. This is Pace Case.
0: This is Bachelor Clues, and we thank you as always for joining us on this Friday for this week in Bachelor Nation. We are going to have all your favorite Bachelor Nation news. There was quite a bit this week. We are going to have your parasocial play of the week. We are going to delve into a little bit of a Bachelor alternate universe. And of course, we are going to be doing Screams from the Pit, which all this season is sponsored by Relationship Hero. You can go to RelationshipHero.com to get help with any relationship you might be in, whether you just started dating somebody, whether you've been married for 10 years, whether you're not in a relationship and you want to be in one relationshiphero.com has certified relationship coaches that can help you meet whatever goals you have in whatever kind of relationship you might or might not be in and if you go to relationshiphero.com/gor right now you're going to get $50 off your first session that's relationshiphero.com/gor but before we get to any of that as i'm sure you're well aware we are going to begin This episode of This Week in Bachelor Nation by talking about some things that are happening in the world and telling you how they are related to our beloved game. This is Game of Roses State of the World. This episode of This Week in Bachelor Nation will be the last time we do news and all that kind of stuff before. Thanksgiving. That's right. Thanksgiving is upon us. An American tradition. We all know what this holiday represents. It's the busiest travel holiday of the year. It forces family members together who have differing political viewpoints. It enforces the idea of binge eating and it perpetuates the lie of peaceful cohabitation of this country by Native Americans and benevolent white European settlers. And perhaps most importantly, It gets us to spend money by supercharging the American consumerist impulse with a tidal wave of Black Friday deals that compel all of us to overspend in the name of Jesus Christ.
1: All of these things make the American Thanksgiving one of the most stressful holidays of the year traditionally. But this year is quite possibly the most stressful Thanksgiving in modern history. The political divide is worse than it's ever been in our lifetimes, We'd all gotten used to that one crazy Republican uncle rambling through a Coors Light-fueled monologue about the importance of the Second Amendment and the need for strict public restroom gender guidelines. But now, he'll be enthusiastically outlining his role in the next Civil War while he's asking you to pass the cranberry sauce. And on top of that, going home for the holidays this year won't just be ideologically uncomfortable— it could be the last pumpkin pie you ever eat. That's right. Thanksgiving 2020 could kill you.
0: On Thursday, <laughs> the CDC issued a recommendation against Thanksgiving travel amid this largest surge of coronavirus cases our country has yet seen. During their first news briefing in months, which in itself is terrifying, they reported <laughs> yes. a million new cases in the US just in the past week alone. And as of Thursday morning, More than 11.6 million people in the U.S. have COVID, and at least 250,000 people are now dead as a result. According to Time, an especially alarming analysis suggests that the odds of having at least one COVID-19 positive person at a moderately sized Thanksgiving gathering this year could nearly be 100% in some hard hit parts of the country.
1: (laughs) Sorry for laughing.
0: And only slightly less elsewhere. Canada celebrated its version of Thanksgiving a month ago, and in return, received a post-Thanksgiving COVID spike. According to that same time study, almost 40% of respondents to a recent Ohio State University survey said they planned to gather with at least 10 people for Thanksgiving, even though in many areas this comes with the likelihood of sharing a table with an infectious person.
1: How does this relate to Bachelor? The nation within our nation, Bachelor Nation. Well... As we all know, Thanksgiving is a huge opportunity for SpawnCon and parasocial influence. People are off work, they're bored, they're looking at their phones and clicking links even more than they normally do. So our players of our beloved game are all going to be pumping out as much Thanksgiving-related content as they can. We are going to see who among them is adhering to the CDC suggestion of not traveling.
0: Up until this point, All the COVID guidelines that have been issued have been suggestions, kind of about general behavior. Don't have large gatherings, wear a mask in public, stay six feet away. And over the past months, we've seen various players ignore even these basic guidelines in service of COVID parties, SpawnCon picnics, even the Dark Lord himself we saw travel to Texas to take his kid to Texas Christian University and pack him into the tight quarters of a dormitory. And now, for the first time, the CDC is issuing a direct request to abstain from this one thing, this single event, don't do Thanksgiving. That's all that's being asked here. And over the next week, we are going to be seeing in real time which players adhere to this and which players don't, because they will not be able to abstain From posting on social media. That is a Garen fucking tea. So we're going to see who is packed into rooms with 50 people. And we're going to see who's doing isolated Thanksgivings at home with their immediate family. It's going to be fascinating to watch.
1: Yeah, we'll try to keep you guys apprised of those updates. Although I have a feeling it's going to be more than we can even report on. But everybody in Bachelor Nation, everybody in the pit, please stay safe. Please wear a mask. And... Enjoy your holidays. And take this as an opportunity.
0: If you're in a situation where maybe you don't like going to Thanksgiving, maybe you don't like being forced to sit across the table from that uncle, don't go. You can use COVID as a fucking excuse this year. And it's a valid Perfect. one. Use it. Do not feel obligated to go home to your families if you don't want to. Obviously, if you have a good family and you want to spend time with them and all that, Please do it, but be safe. But I'm just saying, I know there are people out here who are in situations where they hate fucking Thanksgiving. They hate having to do this shit. And this year, you really don't have to. You have maybe the best excuse you'll ever have in your entire life. A federal
1: agency stepping in, (laughs) telling you not to. It is the best excuse. I love Thanksgiving because only for the reason that I love gratitude. But Otherwise, I hate Thanksgiving. I think the food is bad.
0: As we move into this week... We just thought that it was worth noting that the country is about to enter into this behavior that is very likely going to explode the COVID pandemic even further than it already is. And we are at insanely high numbers in both of the Dakotas. They have the highest per capita COVID rate of any state in our union.
1: I think I read like one in a thousand people in one of the Dakotas has died. It's crazy.
0: It's not great, and there are all kinds of exemptions being made by governors for religious gatherings, and all manner of gatherings for that matter. I believe it's in North Dakota. The governor said, "Wear a mask or don't. It's up to you." And so, because we're living in this country where the idea of what you're even supposed to do to be safe during this is up for debate, it's going to translate into bachelor nation, just as all things do. And we are going to be watching it happen this next week. Keep your eyes on it. I think all of the SpawnCon picnics and COVID parties that we've seen in the past are going to pale in comparison to some of the things you're going to start seeing popping up in their Instagram feeds for Thanksgiving.
1: Yeah, so everyone stay safe out there. Isolate yourself. Mask up. You don't want to... The vaccine's on the horizon. It's on the horizon, guys.
0: Until we have a vaccine, all we can do is talk about the state of the world, and that is what we have done. And now, it is time to move on to the next segment, where we talk about the goings-on of all things in our beloved game. This is... Bachelor Nation News.
1: Starting out Bachelor Nation news, this, this week, week in,
3: in games. games.
1: You sounded like an Ed Wastebrot grunt over there. As you guys know, we are charting the ratings of the show and the Instagram gains of all the players this season, we want to highlight some of the players that are having the largest gains and how that relates to their play strategies. Keep in mind, we are recording this on Thursday, November 19th, so the numbers we're using are accurate up until today. But before
0: we get into the IG growth, let's take a look at the ratings for the show this week. It seems that a little of the initial curiosity about Tasha and what was happening with Claire and Dale has worn off in the second week of Tasha's reign. The show dipped slightly from last week to a 1.3 rating in the target demographic, and a total of 4.94 million viewers. Despite this minor slide, it seems like the ratings are holding in the high 4-plus million viewer area, which is good news.
1: And now, let's take a look at which of this season's players are able to translate those viewers into followers. Claire gained 29,000 Instagram followers, bringing her to 979K. We predict she will hit 1 million soon. Taysha Adams remains steady at one point one million, and the top five player follower gains from November twelfth to November nineteenth today. Number one, Dale Moss. He wasn't even in the document this week, but he once again had the largest gain at thirty nine thousand, bringing him to seven hundred and ten thousand. This is a huge drop off from his three hundred forty three thousand gains in the past couple weeks. Will he break 1 million? Our prediction is yes. But he's going to need to pull out all the stops if he has subsequent appearances on Mental All or on the second after the Final Rose.
0: This gain to me is astounding. He was not in the program. All of this now, everything he's gaining is purely parasocial. It's from him posting pictures in the Superman costumes. It's from him posting the videos with Claire.
1: They're kissing in the snowstorm.
0: It's also from all of these rumors that are going around about him possibly cheating on her. And we're going to get to that a little later in Bachelor Nation News. But congrats to Dale Moss. What he is still doing, not even being in the show, is better than anyone who's literally in the show. <laughs>
1: By a lot.
0: He's still beating them and he's not even there. By 5K. Simply astounding. It really makes me sad that I didn't get to see a full season of play from him. I need that badly. I know. In second place this week, Little Ben Smith. (laughs) Finally got on the board for his solid one-on-one time full of kisses and love level raises, as well as the screen time he got for dramatically emphasizing his turtling. He gained the second most followers this week, 34.1K, bringing him to a grand total of 57.9K.
1: Again, I must emphasize, these are not the gains of a floater. Floater doesn't get the second most gains total after Dale Moss, the parasocial hero, Superman.
0: Look, I agree with you at this point. I don't think he's a floater anymore. Is he bland? Is he uninteresting? Yes, these are usually the traits of a floater, but in this season, because it's so upside down anything goes. And you can have a floater like Ben seeing these gains, and obviously he's going to make it a little further in the game as well.
1: Speaking of generic white men, Bennett Andrew Jordan continues to dominate the gains charts with his masterful group date play this week. He's playing balls out, whether by robing it up or throwing the math test. He added 20.9k, bringing him to an illustrious total of 106 Thousand Instagram followers, only the second player to break 100K in our beloved game this season, after, of course, Dale Moss,
0: who came into the game with over 100K. And fourth place is Wolverine himself, Chase and Nick. He has gained 9.1K this week for his group date win, his villain slash Ed rivalry edit, and his repeated brand emphasis on superheroes including his namesake wolverine this brings his total to 43.1k and it answers the question that ed laid out for us in this episode will he get a 6k bump yes he did
1: fifth place in gains goes to he's always on these charts easy he gained 8.9k this week bringing him to 63.2k He did seem to have a drop-off in his colorful narrator ITMs this week, however, with Joe Park seeming to fill in this role. I wonder if there is some reverse editing decisions going on based on the unconfirmed stories that we've been hearing surrounding sexual assault allegations.
0: Whatever the reason for his disappearance from the document, he is still bringing in solid numbers every week. I find that pretty astounding. He was almost not in this episode. We saw him briefly here and there, and he's still getting fifth place in gains. Congrats to Easy.
1: Other notable gains include Zach C. He gained 6.4K for attempting to break up the Ed Chasen rivalry fight, as well as demonstrating his mature, grown ass man vibes on his Tasha mini date, bringing him to 16.7K total. Bachelor Nation Reddit fave, Joe Park gained 6.1k, nearly doubling his following this week to 13.1k for his colorful narrator ITMs, handling the forced physical fight group date with humor and aplomb.
0: And in what is arguably the biggest news in gains this week, the smallest gain crown has been lifted from AJ Yalawan's tender head, though he did only gain six followers this week, the smallest gain. Actually goes to night one guy, Jordan Manier, who lost 300 followers. That's right, negative 300 followers. The drop-offs have finally started. Paige Presley and Zach J also joined that club with minus 100 followers apiece. But that does it for this week in gains. And now we are going to move on to the meat of Bachelor Nation news. And we're going to start out with an item of Bachelor Nation news about Rachel Lindsay herself. On this past week's episode of her podcast with Van Lathan, Higher Learning, she discussed something that we discuss all the time on this show, the four audiences. She revealed a little something about gameplay and the nature of it. and We have that clip for you now, which we are going to play.
2: You have to play in the game. That's the thing with Bachelor. You have to play the game where you're trying to get the girl or the guy, whoever may be the lead, but then within the house, you spend more time with the people you live with. You got to play both hands, okay? Mm-hmm. You can't, you can't, you know, make an enemy of the people you're living with. I right. know you don't understand the rules of the game, Dan, but this is one of the key rules to succeed on the but show. Why,
4: but why, though? Why can't you make an enemy of the people that you're living with? It's a competition. Like, Why?
2: There is something called a two-on-one that you have yet to experience yet in Bachelor Nation. Uh, And that's why you don't want to be the villain. I have
4: experienced it.
2: I said in Bachelor Nation.
4: Yeah, it was one of the things. I've been checked that one out of my box back in the 2000s. But go ahead. Okay,
2: man. (laughs) 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 You know what's funny? I say two-on-one all the time. When it, in regards to The Bachelor, and I never have thought of it that way. That's why it's so funny and, dare I say, refreshing to mm-hmm. talk to someone who is mm-hmm. not a part of Bachelor Nation because you don't hear things the same way I'm that I do you, this terminology. The Bachelor
4: is a freaky-ass show. Yeah, all this... I didn't know that it was all of this kissing, all of this fucking. Now you're talking about some two-on-ones. I didn't know all of this stuff was going on in the Bachelor Pornhub mansion <laughs> that you guys got going on over there, I didn't know that was happening. But you were saying though, there's a there's so something called you're two, happy what now You
2: subscribed then.
4: Yeah, what happened to the what happens during the two the, the two, two on one ones?
2: is where and you're already starting. Actually, no, next week you'll start to see it being set up. So the two on one is where you have two people in the house who do not get along. They can't get along at all, and you see this as a storyline throughout the the season. So they eventually put them on a date with the lead, but she's got to go with both of them on the date. So instead of it just being one-on-one, a group date, you've got the two guys who don't like each other, or girls who don't like each other, and she has to make the decision on who she wants or he wants
4: to keep. So why is that bad then?
2: Because that becomes your storyline, right? You, you become that person who's so caught up in the drama rather than focusing on the girl because that's mm. all they're going to show of you. You also got to win the audience over. There's, there's so many games that have to be played here.
0: This, to me, is just more evidence that the game is beginning to be seen in a new way, more like a sport. And these ex-players revealing these things is helping us move into the next era of coverage. She essentially identified the second audience, and says there are many games being played here. She understands that it's not just about getting the ring. It's not just about moving through it. It's about satisfying the producers, satisfying the players, the lead, ultimately Fashion Nation as a whole.
1: She gives a specific strategy recommendation here that you don't want to get this villain edit because you don't want to end up on the two-on-one. I thought it was hilarious when Van says he did a two-on-one In the 2000s, I laughed my ass off. (laughs)
0: Van Lathan is so fucking funny. But she's actually wrong about this. And you and I will argue about this potentially, but the way I am now... We have been arguing
1: about this. I know.
0: The way I'm now seeing the game is a little different. Everybody thinks the two-on-one is dreaded. Everybody thinks the three-on-one is dreaded. I would argue that depending on when this happens in the season, it's not necessarily the case because there are some one-on-ones where you think that's a good thing, but it's just a planned execution. On a two-on-one, you are comparatively going against only one other player for a guaranteed rose. Yes, sometimes the bachelor doesn't give them either a rose. Often. Is it often?
1: I think so. Here's the thing. We're still gathering the data on this, so we don't actually have conclusive evidence either way but I think your stats on the 2-on-1 are not great, and I think you're going to see those stats reflected in the, even if you get that rose, the next week your chance of going home is very high. Hmm. 2-on-1 survivors, are they ever ring winners or crowns? No,
0: but at that point, you don't have that chance anyway. At least the ring winner is decided on night one or week one. That's already locked. So no matter what the case is, you're now just trying to play out as long as you can through the season and a rivalry is a good way to do it. And if you win a rose on the two on one, it's up to you to turn that around. Maybe you can make it to hometowns. Maybe you could even make it to fantasy suites. I just think when there's a rose right in front of you, when you're given that opportunity for a zero point rose. It's a rare and good thing. And a two-on-one gives you a 50-50 fucking chance. It's not like a group date where you've got a sometimes one in 15 chance of getting a zero-point rose. You've got a 50-50 shot. That's good. Good odds, I think. It
1: is good odds for getting that rose, and it is screen time, but I would argue that statistically it is better to have a one-on-one and use some of our various strategies to pull that off and make it not an execution. I do think that a rivalry is a good strategy for screen time, but the way that you do it is you do it how Hannah Brown and Kalen Miller Keys did it. You stoke it up and you make it the star of the first few episodes, but then you crush it before they're going to have the two-on-one so that that's not a drama anymore and you're not going to get that date. Yeah, yeah,
0: Uh, absolutely. I'm not arguing against using sound strategy in all these cases. I'm just saying, I believe most players, and Rachel Lindsay corroborates it here, think the two-on-one is the kiss of death, and it simply isn't. It's a 50-50 chance at a zero-point rose.
1: But the chance of you going home that next week is so high if you are chosen. I think there is a psychological thing that is happening, sort of the opposite of what happens with the FIMPros. When you get the FIMPros, the bachelor bachelorette is basically saying, I'm psychologically committing to this person. They're going to stay a while. When they are deciding who's going on the two-on-one date, if they are actually involved in that discussion, um, they are psychologically saying, I'm going to put this person through this. They're probably not my top. I think there is a psychological thing that happens as you're basically saying these are the lowest two.
0: But I think there are many ways to spin that to your favor. To overcome it, to turn the tables, it's an obstacle for sure, which you need at every step of the game. You have to set up an obstacle and overcome it. I think the two-on-one date is in itself an obstacle. And if you are able to overcome it through some kind of lowering of a wall, raising of a love level, whatever, I think it's possible to not only get that rose, but to move through the next rounds, to use it as a kind of redemption moment.
1: I guess it's possible. We've just never seen it. Can you think of a phoenix rising from the two-on-one ashes?
0: No. Because of this prevailing attitude that it's a bad thing. It gets in a player's head. As soon as they see their name on the date card, it's, oh, God, I hate this. Oh, I can't believe they're putting me on a two-on-one. This negative attitude about it cannot be the case, and it is every time. Anyway, we digress.
1: (laughs) One of our many ongoing fights for you.
0: Our next item of Bachelor Nation news is something that we're calling Pregnancy Gate. We don't have much news on this, but I thought it was interesting and worth bringing up. Coach Crystal supposedly used two different pregnancy tests in her video and IG posts in which she let us all know that she was pregnant. One seems to have been a prop. So then which part of this video or Instagram post is acting? She's still producing propaganda, still making a fake reality television show about her pregnancy for us all to watch. Fascinating.
1: We are watching Crystal right now in-game on Larry, Ari Deck season, and I gotta say, she's one of my favorite players to watch. And what she's doing with this pregnancy in the post-season parasocial game is incredible to me. It seems like she has been preparing for this for 10 years. She just posted this... This like uh, Mother Mary type photo of her holding her baby bump. And she's got like a sun crown on her head. She is milking this. She's doing pregnancy fitness videos. She's helping the pregnancy game.
0: I believe she will be pregnant within one year of delivering Glitter Baby to the world. I think Glitter Baby is going to have a Glitter sibling almost immediately. (laughs) Mm. Just my predictions.
1: I hope the world is filled with glitter.
0: As do I. I just thought it was interesting to note here that evidence is emerging of her manufacturing the media around this, that it is not real at all. I mean, she is pregnant, but that she's shooting two different videos. She has prop pregnancy tests. She's putting this image together of (laughs) what this all even is.
1: I mean, maybe those were, for argument's sake, could it have been that she took two to make sure and they were different types?
0: Sure. Certainly could have been.
1: All right. Speaking of Bachelor Nation progeny, Jade Roper had her third child on November 14th at 5:33 a.m. Reed Harrison, Harrison Tolbert became the next unwitting player in the Bachelor Nation fetus game. Proud father Tanner Tolbert wasted no time putting his infant son to work by turning the Instagram birth announcement post into SpawnCon for Highway 3, a custom apparel company that manufactured the blanket the new child is lying on, complete with a repeating reed pattern printed on it. It is doing so many things at once in the parasocial game. First name has been chosen by a sports bracket. They had their followers vote on the baby name, so Reed is the name that has emerged from this sports bracket. And the middle name is an homage to our Dark Lord. My favorite part of this. Have we had a baby named after DLH yet?
0: Not to my knowledge. This must make him very happy. That child's soul is his.
1: Tanner's post has 79,381 likes and 550 comments. Jade has spread out her announcement among a few baby posts with about 200k likes each, although her first read post has her in the baby and it has 310,264 likes and 4,800 comments.
0: Notably, the third Tolbert spawn does not yet have an Instagram account, at least not one that they're linking to in any of the recent posts. But rest assured, little Reed Harrison will be building his parasocial audience soon enough if his brother and sister are any indicator of the lengths the Tolberts are willing to go to monetize their infant children. The eldest of the brood, Emmy Avery Tolbert, has leveraged her 138,000 Instagram followers to do spawn-con for Diff Eyewear, Janie and Jack Children's Apparel, and Sugar Beach Hotel and Resort in St. Lucia. And the middle child, one-year-old Brooks Easton Tolbert, has already put his 86.2 thousand followers to work, shilling for brands like Highway 3, which we're seeing Reed shilling for as well. So congrats to the Tolbert family on their new child and source of revenue. We hope he makes you a lot of money (laughs) and brings you even more happiness.
1: And congrats to Dark Lord Harrison as well. Big moment for him.
0: A new piece of his evil legacy will live on.
1: Speaking of evil legacies, clickbait. Our favorite podcast was number one in Apple iTunes podcasts for TV and film charts last week, fueled by a takeover by Rachel Lindsay and Becca Kufrin, who stepped in for a second round of an interview with the new bachelorette, Taysha Adams. The first half of the interview was started on their podcast, Bachelor Happy Hour, Grocery store Joe and Hannah Sluice are notably completely absent from this episode. And late last week, Sluice appeared on Becca Tilly's podcast, Scrubbing In, where she divulged that she is no longer a part of the clickbait trio, saying that she was just there in the beginning to help them get started. And on today's most recent episode of Clickbait, she confirmed her departure directly. Here's that clip.
3: We are getting back on track. Well, kind of, because our girl Hannah Ann has some words she'd like to share with you guys, so I'm going to pass the mic over to her. Hey everyone, before we get started on today's podcast, I just wanted to hop on here and just acknowledge how much fun I have had the past couple of weeks, not only getting to know Garcia Sergio and Tasha, but being able to host this podcast, it's definitely been one of the most, definitely one of the highlights of this year. I've just had such a great time, but it seems to be right now in my life, I'm tackling on new responsibilities and truly honing in on finding myself more and like what makes me happy and my passions. And right now, um, I feel like it's best for me just to focus on what... I truly love doing, which is being the host in the kitchen. And, um, not to say that I've had just the best time hosting on this podcast, but definitely going to start tackling on some more responsibilities and really wanting to devote more of my time and energy into that. But I want y'all to know that I'm going to be listening. I'm going to be your biggest hype woman for the podcast. And I'm just so excited to cheer you guys on. And, um, not only that, but cheer Tisha on for this season of the bachelorette. And I'm just so excited for every Everyone involved in the podcast and can't wait to see what's next for Clickbait.
0: The rest of the Clickbait episode features Tasha, grocery store Joe is there, and they bring in Natasha Parker as their accomplice to round out the trio. We don't know if Natasha is going to be there permanently or not. I would guess not. I think she is a temporary fill-in. But what does this all mean for the future of Clickbait? Is it a sinking ship? Hannah Sloss was their biggest. Parasocial engagement. She even has a following larger than Tasha, who is now at 1.1 million. Arguably, Taisha is more important because she's the current bachelorette. But this seems like a strange move for them to have fired Hannah Selass, And it also seems like a strange move for Hannah Selass to have left willingly. I don't believe that it was on the up and up, as she claims in this clip. I don't think she's happy about leaving necessarily. Something weird has happened here for her to leave this show. And I don't know what it is.
1: It is so strange because it can only be one of two things. She quit or she was fired. And neither one makes any sense to me. Totally agree. The show needs her. She needs the show. She's emphasizing that she's like going this cooking direction. I've noticed that she's heavily pushing that on her Instagram stories, trying to become the new Rachel Ray. Um, but
0: if that is the case, she I would al- want to have this podcast. <laughs> you want to have as much exposure right. as you can have to funnel them to your instagram or whatever you're doing. And by the yeah, way,
1: it's a top podcast.
0: This job wasn't like it was a lot of effort for her. She had to do a Zoom call twice a week for an hour. It wasn't like she was doing a lot of preparation or anything. She's just like shooting the shit with these I two people. I think she
1: was editing it and she got burnt out.
0: Hey, okay, if that's the case, <laughs> Hannah Ann, if you were actually doing all the editing, I understand. <laughs>
1: By the way, I, just a small part of this clip that I loved, Hannah Celeste calls Joe, Grocery Store Joe here. He is not getting away from this branding. It also suggests to me that Hannah and, and Grocery Store Joe have zero contact outside of recording this podcast. They are not friends.
0: None of them are. That's clear from the podcast. They don't have much chemistry, but <laughs> maybe the switch to Natasha Parker will change that? I don't know. Maybe they'll get in a, another host at some point. I don't know what's going on with clickbait. All I know is that we love the podcast and we have to get on it. So please keep (laughs) hitting up their Instagram. That's
1: the one thing we know for certain.
0: If they're doing rounds of guest hosts to fill in, hey, Pace Case and I would be a great third host.
1: Oh my God, we would. We're very available.
0: We're happy to do a week or two with you guys. We're happy to get it started and then we can go do our cooking channel, just like Sluice. But whatever's going on there, We are sad to see Sleuths go. We hope that Clickbait marches into the future to become a bigger, better podcast, even without what I think was their kind of best component. We will see what happens. We will be keeping an eye on this and, of course, updating you on everything that's going on with Clickbait. Our next item of Bachelor Nation news involves gossip. This week, the Instagram blind item account Dumois posted something about Kelly and P P getting engaged, (laughs) but they're not engaged. They came out and said, no, this is bullshit. And then an account called bacheloring posted a DM from a fan to Claire explaining that someone saw Dale drunk and being touchy with a woman at a restaurant called Cipriani. The DM included pics of Dale holding this woman's hand and talking about how he kissed her. None of this is corroborated. None of this is substantiated. All of this conjecture is flying around. I don't know what these pictures were. These pictures could have been from fucking years ago. There is nothing to substantiate any of this. And people are taking it as fact. I know this is Bachelor Nation, but still, this is the same thing that happens in American politics. You have to vet this shit. You have to find out what is true, what is real. And right now, none of this has been substantiated as real. Literally none of it. It is all rumor. It cannot be reported as news.
1: Dale Moss is a professional. This would be such a huge error on his part to get caught doing something like this. There is no fucking way. I totally
0: agree. Sorry. The man understands Instagram and the parasocial world at a level most of us can't even fathom. To be caught out in the wild, pictures of you kissing some other woman at dates, all this shit, absolutely not. I just don't see it as a possibility for him because what is most important to him is fame, is success in the parasocial world. He wants to be on TV. Having a scandal like this that he's cheating on Claire would sink any opportunity he has, at least for the next year, to be on Good Morning America or something like that, whatever he wants to do. I just don't think he would let anything get in the way of his forward momentum, and this obviously clearly would. So for me, what we do on this show, I've gotten a lot of DMs about this stuff, and I appreciate it being sent because I know that it means this is something people in Bachelor Nation are talking about. It's an important issue, but just for us, what we do on this show, we would never report this as fact because it is not. At this point, if something comes out that is more conclusive, then maybe it becomes news. But at this point, it is just in the morass of hearsay and conjecture. It's kind of gossipy. And none of this is actually real right now.
1: We have journalistic integrity. We will debate endlessly whether there's a Phantom Night One, but we will never conclusively say, hey, this happened.
0: Unless there's evidence. If there is hardcore evidence, if I have a tape, for there example... There
1: still is not. There still is not hardcore evidence.
0: That at least is a debatable thing, because we're saying this event happened, here's some evidence to support it, here's some that doesn't. We can have that debate.
1: I don't believe PP and Kelly are engaged either. And if they were, they will announce it on the Ides of March 2021. My prediction.
0: Anyway, I just wanted to take a moment to... Use this as a piece of Bachelor Nation news that gossip is simply gossip and it is not yet Bachelor Nation news
1: until it can be verified. Game of Roses is sponsored by BetterHelp. Clues, uh, we all carry around different stressors, big and small. And if you keep them all bottled up, it can affect you negatively. Therapy is a great place to get things off your chest and figure out how to work through whatever is weighing you down. You might be taking care of your physical body, but are you taking care of that beautiful mind, Clues? Yes. I have benefited from therapy greatly in the past. Uh, it has helped me get through stressful experiences, manage boundaries, learn coping skills. You know, the the whole premise of life is, is kind of a, a, it's a lot to undertake and therapy can help with that.
0: Well, if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. All you have to do to get started is fill out a brief questionnaire. Then you get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists literally at any time for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Game of Roses today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.com slash Game of Roses.
1: Clues. Mm -hmm. I've been on a mission. I'm trying to find the perfect T-shirt. Yeah. um, Because it's spring. I'm ready to get out there. I'm ready to peacock. Luckily, the perfect T-shirt does exist. And you can find it at Skims. From cropped silhouettes to long-sleeve layering tees, there's a style for everyone. You guys know how excited I was that Skims became one of our sponsors for this podcast. They have great basics and foundations. I got the boyfriend t-shirt in onyx. That's kind of a dark black color. And the cotton jersey long sleeve t-shirt in kyanite, which is kind of like a blue green. And they're both so comfortable. It's basically like you are wearing nothing. Great for free spirit types. it is springtime. It is the off-season. It is gore girl summer. The weather's getting warmer. Thanks, Dark Lord Palmer. And it's time to say goodbye to jackets and sweaters and cowls and hello to shorts and tees. I wanted to update my wardrobe for the long haul, get those staple pieces, and I found quince. Now I have a lineup of timeless pieces keeping me looking effortlessly chic year after year. I got the cotton modal scoop neck tee. It is so cute. It is literally the first thing I reach for in my dresser when all my clothes are washed. You know those special items. If you are not like Clues who only wears one outfit. I'm
0: Quince head to toe at this point. I'm a Quince boy. (gasps) I'm a source boy, quince boy. What's you got no idea. I'm wearing quince t-shirts, quince pants, quince long sleeve t-shirts, quince pants, quince sweaters, quince pants. I'm quinced. <laughs> Just call me quinced, King Quinces. Okay. They call me. I love quince. Okay, quince. Uh Get warm weather ready with quince. Be a quince king yourself or quince queen. Go to quince.com slash roses for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I- nce.com slash roses to get free shipping and 365 day returns quince.com slash roses speaking of verified our next bachelor the first black bachelor matt james was just revealed in a trailer put out by the official bachelor media engine tasha is only two episodes into her counterfeit season and already the franchise is pumping out media to take our attention away from her. This first promo for Matt James was released on ABC, the network, immediately after Tasha's episode this past Tuesday.
1: During Big Sky.
0: And then the promo was also pumped out across all Bachelor-related social media accounts. The official Bachelor ABC Instagram post has 397,000 views. It depicts... James in a tuxedo, in a hot tub, shirtless, there are kisses, there are tears. James himself is delivering the thesis of the season. He's never been in love, and DLH assures him that it's his job to help him change that, and we are treated to a quick montage of women arriving on night one that includes some hints of a villain. Nima Colon is immediately more appealing than La Quinta. James stands on a red carpet in front of a castle-esque building that emulates the grandeur of the Familiar mansion. In a way, the poorly decorated ballrooms and the 120-degree desert heat of La Quinta cannot hope to. I am feeling very good about James' season, and I am very hopeful that it will be more of a return to the game in its pure form. That is what this promo means to me.
1: This promo is also historical. This is our first Black Bachelor. We are seeing a glimpse of the night that's going to end the Dwab. A night, we didn't know whether we would ever see. We are gonna have the days without a Black Bachelor hit zero for the first time ever.
0: Literally everything Matt James does and everything that the franchise does in service of him is historic, literally everything. This is the first promo with a Black Bachelor. Everything he does is going to be the first thing with a Black Bachelor. And it's fucking amazing to me that this took till 2020 to happen. But I'm glad that it finally is. And I really hope that this is not the last Black Bachelor. I hope that it continues a trend yeah. in this direction of more diverse casting, not only racially, but I would like to see the first non-supermodel Bachelor, <laughs> Bachelorette. That kind of shit would be interesting as well, you know?
1: <laughs> well, let's not get crazy. You're right, you're right. <laughs> I also agree that I am jonesing for Matt James this season. My first glimpse of that tuxedo on Instagram, I was like, okay, I need it. I need it right now. I'm going to have to wait till January.
0: There's something about the La Quinta season, too, that I didn't really realize it until this past episode where Bennett is in the bathrobe and all the other guys are kind of shitting on him. Like, they don't look really dressed up either. They're all in, like, T-shirts and shorts and shit because it's 120 degrees. The whole season feels mm-hmm. informal and just kind of shitty. Casual. And I don't get that sense from Matt James' this season. That shit looks like The Bachelor. I know it's not going to be because I know there's not going to be travel and stuff, but even the grounds of Nemecone look bigger. They just look more intense and more like what we're used to. It almost is a hearkening back to um, the
1: Parisian season or the Italian. It did remind me of those where you start outside of like a fucking like castle looking building.
0: So we're excited about it. Congratulations to Matt James. The engine is running and the car's about to come out of the garage. I'm so fucking happy to see this.
1: It also, uh, you're right, it did deliver us Matt James's theme that he is has never been in love. It's sort of a variation on the PVC, the personal virginity card where you've never done XYZ, never kissed, never been in love, never had a serious relationship.
0: So, congratulations to Matt James. And congratulations to the subject of our next piece of Bachelor Nation news. A big happy birthday goes out to Sean Lowe. On November 16th, the Superman of the Bachelor franchise, the poster boy for falling in love and making the process work, turned 37 years old. Still got a long life ahead of you. You got a beautiful family. And we love watching what you do. And I think you're going to be a fixture in Bachelor Nation in a much bigger way in the coming years. This is just a little prediction, but I can see the light in DLH's eye starting to dim, and they're going to need someone new in there. I don't know if Sean Lowe's capable, but I think he's on the list.
1: I mean, we mentioned it in last episode, but in our Power Binge, we see see the trends, and there is a strong trend towards showing Sean Lowe in every fucking season. He
0: definitely has the most appearances of any player in the history of the game across all seasons. It's pretty astounding to watch, and we hope that with your 37 years, you get a little more wisdom, and maybe one day you will be the new Dark Lord. That wraps up our Bachelor Nation news, and now we move on to that portion of our show in which we examine some of the highlights from all social media plays that our beloved game has to offer. This is...
1: The parasocial play, 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 play of the week. Our first parasocial play contender of the week was Wolverine himself, Chase and Nick. He performed a very cringe TikTok dance. He's coming for PP's cringe crown with this. I literally could not stop watching he has very Luke from the OC vibes to this. He's like, welcome to the OC, bitch, I'm Wolverine. And this video was shown. The Bachelor was replaying it everywhere in Bachelor Nation was replaying this video because of its power. However, Jason doesn't seem to understand the power of cringe because he has deleted the video. We can only assume he took it down because people were, were reacting to it in a way he perceived to be negative. But in the current world of parasocial media, all views are good views, Chasen. A lesson that must be learned if he wants to capitalize on the cringe niche.
0: Our second notable parasocial play comes from Coach Crystal herself. She posted a sonogram music video. It has 16,000 likes, 234 comments as of this recording. It is simply a video of Glitter Baby in her womb set to J.J. Heller's song, Big World Baby. The selection she uses in the video features the lyrics, you're not too small to do great things. She's just giving us a small hint at what's to come for Glitter Baby. Glitter Baby's pre-life is starting off on a note of optimism and love from her mother, Coach Crystal.
1: While these were both fascinating plays in the parasocial world, the parasocial play of the week goes to... Bennett Andrew Jordan. As impressive as he has been on the field this season, he is quickly proving himself to be one to watch in the parasocial world as well, and this week he executed a play that had a degree of difficulty I didn't even know existed. Earlier this week, a video appeared without warning in the Instagram story of the greatest male Instagram player in history, Tyler Cameron.
0: The video begins innocuously enough. We see shots of the New York City subway, then a quick cut to Cameron taking a selfie in the mirror and some tight jeans and a long overcoat. He tells us he's date ready. Another quick cut to a piece of Cameron's beloved steak on a plate in a nice restaurant. (laughs) He pans up to reveal the person sitting across from him, and it's our parasocial player of the week, Bennett Jordan. From Cameron's POV, we see a glass come into frame that clinks with Bennett's martini and the two cheers. Another quick cut to a giant piece of chocolate cake and Cameron's saying off-screen, damn, he's treating me right tonight. To which Bennett replies, what are you going to do? You got to treat the young pup right.
1: This 21-second video is one of the highest level, pure parasocial plays we've seen from any player on this season of The Bachelorette. It not only serves the function of linking Bennett to the greatest male parasocial player of all time, it leaves us wondering how they know each other and what the nature of their relationship is. And for someone like Bennett to be given this honor from the current reigning champ, it's a clear anointing of Bennett. He has granted a place at the table literally with the king of Instagram. He is worthy of this audience. As he crosses the threshold of 100,000 followers, we will be keeping our eye on Bennett. We don't know how much deeper he'll run into Tasha's season, but his toes will certainly be touching sand in paradise, and he may have a rendezvous with the Million Club in his future. Congrats to Bennett for this week's Parasocial Play of the Week. And another
0: notable element of this play has to do with Cameron himself. As much as he attempts to distance himself from the franchise and present an image of himself as being above it by dating supermodels, doing huge spawn con, he also still does YouTube videos with Hannah B. He knows that he's got to remain linked to this franchise in order to retain his parasocial power, and by doing this video with Bennett, he shows us something very interesting about his parasocial wherewithal. He knows that his appearances with Hannah Brown are starting to hit their ceiling of diminishing returns as she fades from the spotlight with Claire and Taysha taking over as the most recent bachelorettes. Cameron is proving that he has his eye on the future of the franchise and he's already making decisions about who to align with as the game marches into the next era. I would not be surprised at all if he starts dating one or possibly multiple frontrunners for Matt James's season once it's over. Keep your eye on that.
1: Oh, I love that. We will never know this, but I am so curious of who initiated this interaction.
0: As are we all. That's part of the power of this play. There are more questions than there are answers, and we will all wonder <laughs> until our dying day. Mm-hmm. The play will live on in our minds far longer than it will live on on Instagram. But that wraps up our coverage of this week's Parasocial Plays, and now we want to dip a little toe into the space-time continuum and talk about something that happens when we're power binging and we see events as they occurred in our reality but we know in other realities they occurred much differently this is bachelor alternate Universe. universe
1: As I mentioned earlier, this episode we are at Ari Dyke's season in our power binge, going through all seasons and episodes of The Bachelor. And something caught our eye this season, and that is the player Makel Cooper. She has seventy-seven point eight thousand followers, but she was the Omega limo entrance. She arrived in a race car. And took off her racing helmet and revealed a beautiful woman. And she seemed to be doing pretty well in Ari's season. Maybe they cut around her in the edit a little bit. But she had frontrunner vibes. And what happens during this season is she ends up getting news that her grandfather had died. And so she leaves the show for a week. But we began to picture a Bachelor alternate universe where Maquel's grandfather lived on, at least through the end of the season. And she wins Ari's season, and little baby Alessi is never born. There is an alternate Alessi, a Maquel Alessi. What would that look like?
0: And would Maquel be good enough at social media to generate hundreds of thousands of followers for whoever alternate Alessi is? I agree with you. She was a front runner. It wasn't just a grand entrance she had. It wasn't just a race car. She came in in a Formula One car. This is something she herself cannot even pilot. So it's beyond just renting a classic car like they did for Becca Martinez. They had to somehow get a Formula One car and rent the person who was driving it. She's a passenger in that car sitting in the back seat of it. This is a huge grand entrance, certainly the one that cost the most money on that night. And when her grandfather dies, she doesn't just go away for a week. The following week when she comes back, she is eliminated because he says, sorry, my other relationships have just progressed too far. She was out of the game for an entire week. She missed a group date. She missed the possibility of a one-on-one date.
1: Missed a cocktail party.
0: That certainly hindered her. And I do think she had the possibility to win this. She kind of looks like Lauren. We know that he would have been Mm -hmm. attracted to her on that level. And I think she was in some ways... She almost is the amalgam of a Becca Kufrin and a Lauren Byrne. She's like in the center. She kind of looks like one, but seems to be a little more intellectually interesting like the other. He he might have chosen her.
1: He might have chosen her, but here's the thing. I don't see a new Alessi coming out of a baby of anyone other than Lauren and Ari. Because... I think Lauren is the special sauce to this parasocial powerhouse couple. I do too. Ari is like tinkering around in their YouTube videos, but Lauren is clearly the business strategist of the operation. I don't think you see that with a Kufrin baby. I don't think you see that with a Makel baby. I think Lauren, while she played a very strong, quiet, good girl floater game on Ari's season. I think she is a parasocial genius.
0: I don't know if I'll give her parasocial genius, but (laughs) she's definitely strong in the parasocial world. I agree with you. I think she's better than a MaKel than a Becca Kufrin, even though she doesn't have as many followers as Becca Kufrin. She understands the fetus game at a level that none of them ever will, obviously. And I agree with you.
1: Whatever. There's an alternate universe where you agree with me.
0: There's an infinite amount of them, in fact, and an infinite amount where I don't agree with you, and an infinite amount where
1: okay, Hannah Salas
0: is our third co-host.
1: We also peered into another alternate reality while watching Ariely Index season, and what was that? Clues.
0: Becca Martinez, one of the strongest players we've ever seen in our beloved game, one of the best rose quotients we've ever seen, succumbed to something that was beyond her control. The thing that finally sinks her, just before hometowns is her age. She's 22. Ari seems to have problems with this throughout the entire season, and Tia is eventually able to use it against her in a final death blow that gets her kicked out of the game. And we begin to see this alternate universe in which Becca Martinez comes on the show at age 27, instead of 22, and wins the entire fucking thing. Becca Martinez is a parasocial powerhouse. I believe better than Lauren. And if Becca Martinez would have gotten married to Ari and had whatever that version of Alessi is, I think that version of Alessi is a god, a parasocial god, I should say.
1: I gotta agree with you there.
0: And I wanted to see it. I became very sad that I wasn't living in that universe.
1: Can you imagine that YouTube channel?
0: I have imagined it several times. I feel that I've seen it in this (laughs) universe. But from this alternate universe, I also began to develop an experimental strategy for any player. This storyline is very common. Players can turn it against a younger player. You're too young. You're not serious about this. You're not ready for marriage. There is no benefit in being young on our show other than initial physical attraction from the lead. So the experimental strategy is you lie about your age. The producers may know it, and that doesn't matter if you tell the lead and the players you're 27 years old then that is the reality of it and it will be the producers who have to out you they will have to sink you that will have to come from them and you can spin that back against them as fucking leverage because if a player comes to you and is like oh i heard you were 27 oh really where'd you hear that from uh they can't say the producers the producers won't put that in the show they don't allow those conversations So it can never happen. You can never truly be questioned about it. And if it does come out, you simply say, I didn't want my age to be questioned. Yes, I lied about it because I'm taking this seriously. You can always fall back on 4TRR to justify any lie. If, in fact, it is 4TRR, and in this case, it would be. So just a little bit of advice out there for anybody who's thinking about getting into our beloved game. If you're under 23, really if you're under 24, Bump it up a few years. You want to be in that sweet spot, 26 to 28. That's where you live
1: at. And you just say, Yeah, I mean, I look really young. I get carded all the time. It's so funny that you notice that also. My youthful glow.
0: Thank you for joining us on our jaunt into these alternate realities in which Baby Alessi maybe is not alive and in which Becca Martinez maybe has a different Baby Alessi. <laughs> And now we've come to that time in our show where Pace Case and I are going to descend into the darkest corners of the pit to discuss our problematic relationship with this show. Scream from, from the, pit! the Pit! As always, this season of Bachelorette, Screams from the Pit is brought to you by Relationship Hero. You can go to RelationshipHero.com and get one of their certified relationship coaches to help you with whatever kind of relationship you might find yourself in or not in. Whether you're dating somebody and you're just starting out getting to know them, or whether you've been married for a hundred years, or if you're not even in a relationship but you want to be in one, any one of their certified relationship coaches will help you with whatever goals you might have. And if you go right now to relationshiphero.com/gor you will get $50 off your first session. Again, that is relationshiphero.com/gor. And we are once again graced with the presence of Shoya a certified relationship hero coach who is here to listen to us scream into the darkness about how this show is affecting our lives. Thank you, Shoya, once again for coming back. We're surprised to see you this week.
1: Thank you! <laughs> <laughs> I'm surprised every week that <laughs> <laughs> she keeps coming back. Curiosity.
5: Curiosity. Just at this point. And entertainment and curiosity. <laughs> how are you doing, Shoya? I am present. I am here and And there
1: we go. So This week I have a Thanksgiving scream. It's a holiday scream. (sighs) I love the holidays in my job. It's so lovely. Okay. Oh, yeah, I bet. (laughs) I bet it's really fun. It's great. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Thanksgiving, it's an especially stressful time for families, even in normal times. But I found myself thinking about a way that I can, at my familial meal, avoid overt politics, talking about COVID, (laughs) etc. And the fact that I came up with this, and I think I'm going to implement it, is my scream. I decided I'm going to drown out any and all other topics at the meal table by using a tool I've been building and sharpening for years, my infinite knowledge of The Bachelor. I'm going to flood the conversation with Bachelor Talk so there's no room for anything else. And I feel like this, I thought of it as a joke, but now I feel like I'm going to do this and implement this for real.
5: So you're going to (laughs) deflect at your family by talking about The Bachelor. Do they know of the, of your um condition with The Bachelor? Are they familiar
1: <laughs> with it? <laughs> oh oh no. yes.
5: So they won't see this. so they should they see what's
1: coming, right? My father famously said, Wow, you're really you're really taking this pretty far. <laughs> Do
5: you have the kind of family that would like ship you off to like, I don't know, mental boot camp if you come across a little too crazy? Like are they the ones that pray about you or like hire a priest for like an exorcism or something?
1: They have not hired anyone yet. Yet. But there definitely is a generalized like, oh, wow, you are spending a lot of time on that. You're spending every day all day on that. That's interesting. It's more of that. This is one of those
5: situations where, ironically, as much as you want to avoid politics, you're going to have to implement some political tactics here, right? How? So if you've noticed, right, when you watch people on politics, debate on debate stages, they never actually answer the question. They say, I'm Mm -hmm. glad you brought that up. So now I can talk about what I want to talk about. So I feel like you're going to be doing a lot of Mm. this at dinner, right? They're going to bring up COVID and they're going to bring up politics because that's just the world that we live in. And when they do, you're going to respond. You know what? That reminds me of something that happened on The Bachelor. And at some point (laughs) they'll just accept you from the conversation i'm assuming but i think that <laughs> i think you should fully like deep dive into into that and see where it goes at this point i'm just curious i want to i want oh wow
1: <laughs> i thought you were gonna stop me but this is this sounds like encouragement it's, and it's, i think that's a really good idea to practice these transition sentences like wow it <laughs> is spiking you know what else is spiking tisha's fashion this season incredible
5: Yes. See, you're already practicing. I'm proud of you. And you're, you're sticking up for your boundaries without, you know, getting on anybody else's boundaries and telling them that they can't talk about COVID if they don't want to. Like, I am not going to cross your boundaries, grandma. I just would like to talk about the rose ceremony. So you can talk about, <laughs> you know, the flu or COVID or whatever. And I am going to talk about this TV show.
1: Yeah. I mean, I imagine other people could come up with different ways of subtly establishing those boundaries, but this, I feel like this is my only tool at this point.
5: It is. And you will walk away with all familial, you know, relationships intact, Assume they don't write you off for being
1: crazy. Sounds like a win-win. <laughs> it
5: sounds like a win-win, right? So I feel like, you know, that is, that's the gist of my advice for that situation because the mm-hmm. only other thing is not go to to thanksgiving dinner
1: so also on the table <laughs>
0: <laughs> you're like my well. options are not go to thanksgiving dinner or turn it into a three-hour monologue about the bachelor
5: but i will say that with option a comes the oh my god i'm losing signal i can't i'm sorry grandmother i gotta go like if you decide to join Thanksgiving virtually, which a lot of people are doing. I've noticed this because of COVID. Faking
1: that they have Zoom problems or to get out of conversations. Yep, exactly.
5: Faking the all hmm. like my reception just died, my phone just died, something happened and I got cut off from you. You have a lot of things to debate through, but I am in support yeah. of um sticking up for your boundaries. That's the important thing here is hmm. if you don't want to talk about COVID and politics because it triggers you, then Your triggers are your responsibility. And if you're doing something about it and you're not projecting it on others, then good for you. Do what you got to do. I am in full support. You have a plan.
1: All right. I'm ready. There you go.
0: Well, this week, (laughs) my Scream from the Pit only tangentially involves family, I suppose. But it has more to do with something I would call strange collections. This is... Something I've been engaged in basically my entire life, and it started with my dad. When I was a little kid, we would collect baseball cards together. And some of my fondest memories are going to the baseball card store with him, buying a box of whatever the most recent baseball cards were. We'd come back home, usually at Christmas, actually, this would happen. I have very strange memories of that happening in my grandparents' house. We would unwrap all the baseball cards and he would have these checklists printed out of every fucking card in the set. We would go through it meticulously with a pen, checking each of them off as we got them. And we would complete entire sets, complete these collections.
5: That sounds like the all-American dream right there. So.
0: And so this continued into adolescence. Baseball cards became comic books. My father was not into comic books. So this was something that I did with my friends or in a kind of solitary capacity. Then throughout college, it became Magic the Gathering Cards. This is a customizable trading card game. And those cards actually have, in some cases, significant monetary value now. They're collector's items. In some cases, some of these cards are worth tens of thousands of dollars individually. In adult era, it switched to kind of weirder things. There was a hotel down the street from me that I used to go to to get drinks with friends. And they had these pens that I really liked. And so every time I went there, I would always take the pen that they brought with my bill when I signed the check. And I now have a collection of probably 100 of these pens just sitting in a little cup on my desk. And so in recent years, I thought to myself, I don't do this anymore. I haven't had a weird collection in a long time. And then the other day, I found myself typing out what I didn't even realize was a checklist for a new collection. These are items that I want to put in something I'm calling the pit gallery. These are things that appear in the show, usually gifts given by players to the lead or vice versa. In most cases, they are pieces of art that are created by the players themselves. And as we've been doing this thing called the hyper binge, watching every episode of the show back to back to back to back, I'm becoming aware of how many of these things there are, these items, what they are, where their kind of comparative value is against one another. And I have my first piece in the gallery. It is a painting done by a night one girl named Alex Dillon from Colton season. She most notably dressed in a full uh, sloth bodysuit. And this item that I have from her was not part of the show. I just saw her do this painting on her Instagram and I reached out to her and said, hey, can I buy that from you? She (laughs) sold it to me. It now hangs in my home. And so it's kind of the gateway (laughs) drug of this strange collection. And now as I'm typing out this checklist of these items, and I'm generating the checklist, by the way, there is no official set of what these things are. It's just me saying, oh, (laughs) Hannah Celeste gave a... Painting to pee on night one. I want that painting. This person gave... If you
1: can believe it, no one else is tracking this. I believe you.
0: Someone else is tracking it. And not only am I tracking it, I've now begun sending out probably, I would say, one DM a week to a player who had one of these items. For example, this week was Brittany Taylor. She was on Ari Leondyke season. She competed in a crash-up derby in which she became so injured that she went to the hospital. And when she came back, Ari lyon gave her a certificate that said most badass player or something like that. And so I messaged her to say, hey, do you still have that certificate? I'd love to take it off your hands. I'm putting together a collection of these things. And she actually was very nice and messaged me back and said she'd look for it. But I'm trying to acquire these things. I am putting together this strange collection. Even if I don't have the objects, I'm putting together a collection in my mind. I'm putting together that checklist. and. I don't know if this is a worthwhile pursuit in terms of time and effort, and yet I think it is. I think that because no one else is doing it, because these items, these artifacts do have importance, at least in my mind, in the same way that if you go to like the Football Hall of Fame and you see a Super Bowl (laughs) ring or an old Joe Montana jersey or a football that was used in a Super Bowl, these items have that same value in reference to our game, (gasps) The Bachelor.
1: I agree. I knew that Clues Mm. had been sending like a few Um, messages but I didn't know this was a weekly thing.
5: That's that's a little bit deep in that was a depth of the pit that I don't think I've experienced (laughs)
1: before. (laughs) I
0: live here. And then in my mind, there is this treasure trove that exists, and maybe it does or doesn't, but in my mind, it fucking does, that there's just some storage locker somewhere on the Warner Brothers lot that has every one of these objects in it that has been given in the course of the game all the way back to season one. And I, I just want to get my hands on these things. And the highest value items, monetarily and psychologically and importance of the game, are essentially our game's version of Super Bowl rings. And these are the engagement rings that were given to players and the engagements were broken. Somewhere those rings still fucking exist. And in some cases, these rings are worth like $150,000 because they're very ostentatious. They have a lot of diamonds in them, but you can buy Super Bowl rings on eBay now. Because there have been so many Super Bowls, so many people have them that were on the team that have sold them for one reason or another. You can get these authenticated Super Bowl rings from players who weren't very big name for relatively nominal fees. I don't know if that's ever going to happen in this case, but certainly somewhere these broken engagement rings exist. Someone has them. And these would be kind of the pinnacle level items in this collection.
1: They displayed one on a group date in the Museum of Broken Relationships, remember?
0: I do remember. Nick Vial's season, yes.
1: Wow. I'm left speechless, and that's hard to do. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I know. I don't think I've ever seen Joya react like this to a scream. Inclusive said some, <laughs> some interesting stuff. <laughs> and, um,
5: <laughs> I, I think that, I mean, <laughs> I'm trying to find the, um, the most empath, because I have like, it's, I do this in my coaching practice too. It's, it's me trying to find the most empathetic way to say the thing that comes. I don't actually say what comes to mind. Sure.
0: Um, well, let me ask you, do you do any collections? Do you collect things?
5: I have collected things in the past, right? Um, I haven't done that in a while. It's more time consuming than what my ADHD has space for. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I would say that with most collections, people collect them for sentimental value. It's another form of connecting, right? It's, it's a type of connection, whether you're connecting, like you started with the baseball cards and your father, whether it's that kind of connection. Um, it symbolizes something. Uh, there is something that's wholehearted about it. So, I mean, on that note, because this game means so much to you, right? And it's such an ingrained part of your life. I could understand why you would have a type of, you know, bachelor, bachelorette type of collection that, that kind of makes sense to me. And I would, I can see how those that also, I guess, suffer from the similar disease of whatever this is would appreciate that collection. Um, (laughs) I I mean, I just be mindful of the degree that you're willing to go right to accomplish your collection
0: the thing i have the most fear about potentially in service of completing this collection is how much am i willing to pay for some of these objects
5: that's another thing because i mean although an investment what's the what's the return investment
0: exactly and that's a question i can't answer because in my mind the (laughs) historical significance of these things is high and there is a fear in my mind that's like especially because we're really in the infancy of this game, even though it's been on the air for 20 years. Like imagine the first 20 years of Major League Baseball or the NFL. There is shit that happened in those first 20 years that are incredibly important to the history of those games and the artifacts from those historical events are just gone they're lost because nobody bothered to collect them nobody bothered to assign historical significance because you didn't know major league baseball was going to last for fucking 100 years nobody knew that they were just like oh these guys are playing this game let's go watch them do this thing it's fucking crazy and that was it and then 50 years into it people started looking back and being like oh shit the first world series was actually kind of a big deal i wish we had the fucking baseball bat from whoever was in it blah 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 but that shit's gone it's in a trash heap somewhere and i think similarly that could be happening here because it's a tv show and all tv shows have a very rote protocol of preserving everything from sets to costumes to whatever in storage lockers at the studios that make them i think much of it is probably there but there are these other pieces that have to do with things players received or gave to leads that are in their possession and that shit is like it's up for grabs. Who knows what happened to any of it? And that—that's kind of the stuff that I'm trying to like preserve to some degree through what. I, again, <laughs> I have none of it. I just have a checklist at this point. But that's how it goes in my head.
5: <laughs> yeah, that, I don't. I don't really. I I think I would reflect on why 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 is this why is this important to you? Because collections, like I mean, everybody has like a sentimental store. Like they put themselves in the collection. I collect this you know stamps because my grandmother was a mail carrier because of the artists that did this thing or you know people can because i did used to collect stamps or whatnot when i was younger or whatnot mm. um and that was why like i was very interested in like the art because you know mm-hmm. when i'm not doing this i'm an artist so i was kind of like ooh, the fact that you could you know put art onto these little you know pieces of paper and mail them up like it had like significance and whatnot so baseball cards i'm curious as to what is the internal significance that you are projecting onto this particular collection that you are willing to invest time, energy, and money into putting together.
0: There's obviously a personal interest in the show, but I think the broader interest in terms of what you're asking the significance of it is that reality television is American culture. It's the most important thing we make now. Because it is the 100% most accurate reflection of what we are as a country, as a society. And so, to me, the rise of reality TV from the early 2000s to where we are now is the most significant time in American media culture. It has dwarfed the importance of movies, television shows, any of that shit in terms of what we make and the culture that we are projecting out to the world. We now have still at least for the next month and a half, a reality show host is our president. And everything that social media is, is an extension of reality television. And social media is now what guides all of us in every decision we make. So for me, collecting these items are, it's not just important in the history of The Bachelor, which certainly it is, but it's important in a broader sense that this is the history of reality television. Because at least in this modern era of reality TV, certainly reality TV has really, existed since the 1950s but 2000 forward or roughly the late 90s forward when we started to see the rise of things like kardashians survivor uh even the Osborns was instrumental in it certainly paris hilton and nicole ritchie on simple life it's just what we are now and so these artifacts that exist from one of the biggest pieces of that really the bachelor is one of the driving forces in what modern american reality television has become Those artifacts are a part of that history and I do think there is historical significance in it and it's going to require Americans to understand how important reality TV actually is and not dismiss it as this frivolous guilty pleasure, but to actually own up and say, No, we're a morally bankrupt society who is very interested in surface over substance. And that's what all reality television is. Once we accept that, I think that the history of it becomes something we can actually finally look at instead of pushing it away as frivolous entertainment. And I think that these items, at least for me, are kind of representative of it. I mean, some of them are, funny and bizarre items like a sketch that somebody did of the main character of the lead of the show that they gave to them on that night or like the certificate of being the most badass person because you had to go to the hospital because of a group date that you were forced to go on these items kind of serve as reminders of the strange nature of the game itself that the people involved are worthless it's only the image they can convey on the screen we don't care if you get injured. We'll give you this award. Now smile pretty for the camera.
5: It was so inspiring, um, that last sentiment. But, you know, this actually, you know, full, like, full disclosure, this is why I support, you know, just why I'm not talking you out at the screens, because I tell everybody, like, it doesn't really matter what you're doing. It does matter to some degree. Let me rephrase that. It does <laughs> doesn't matter what you're doing. But yeah. you know the why. If you're able to articulate efficiently to me the why. Then I mean that's it. I think it's a lot of people are doing things and they don't really know why they're doing it or whatnot, or they can't articulate it. They're just kind of going on some autopilot. And I'm like, what's controlling you? But you seem to be very clued in and very aware. And for that, I'm like, well, hey, I support it. And I actually mean that you described it in a historical type, um, like preserving history, right? So we we are thank- today, we are thankful for the people in the past right? Who, you know, preserve their history so we can look at it. I think there's something there. I'm actually very curious if you could find um, these, you know, gifts or whatever that highlight, because pop culture changes dramatically. Pop culture has changed dramatically within the past couple of decades and it hasn't, you know, previous because of the internet and social media. So it's like always changing. I am curious if each season of The Bachelor reflects back some type of pop cultural element if there's a theme in pop culture that stayed the same what constantly changed um and also being that it's tv and people like producers make tv for us meaning it's kind of like they're reflecting back what we're interested in or whatnot i'm curious as to what your gallery as a whole when it's complete will say (laughs) about (laughs) <laughs> us as a society right like what were the producers trying to engage like what were like what was it about us at the time that made that particular thing Engaging. So at this point I am curious. I am a full support of this screen. I'm not jumping down there with you, but <laughs>
0: Look, I mean, eventually it's not just these items. The items would be a part of it, but in my mind, I've already kind of started designing the gallery. I would have a thing called the Wall of Tears, and it would just be still images taken from the show of every time a person has cried. This is hundreds of images, obviously. But that's what the show is. What it's selling is misery. It purports to sell this idea of helping people find love, but all of the promotion of it is, see who gets their heart broken, see who The Bachelor dismisses tonight. And all the promos have people crying in them, all of them. That's what we're tuning in for.
5: very sadistic about that.
0: (laughs) And we love it. That's part of being complicit is that the audience is like, yeah, give me some more fucking tears. We love to see it. So for me, that's kind of what the gallery is really about is, Pulling together these images and artifacts that convey the true nature of what this is, both historically and thematically, I don't know if I'll ever get there. Like I said, I have one piece in the gallery, and it's not even something from the show. It's something a player made for after the
1: show. <laughs> <laughs> well, you have we'll one professional who supports you.
0: Yes, <laughs> and thank you. I'm
5: in. I'm in full support. Or not? I am curious. It could be my curiosity speaking, mm-hmm. but I am in support of this or oh, not fully or oh, not yeah
0: well thank you very much if it ever opens yeah, you'll have the you, first Shoya. ticket the first invitation to come to the <laughs> gallery
5: i'll make sure to clear my calendar that day perfect <laughs> Great.
0: but thank you once again joya for joining us here yes. in the pit it's been a pleasure and we hope you will come back next week
1: have
5: a happy yeah, thanksgiving you have a happy thanksgiving
1: <laughs> oh i will Thank you again, Shoya, for joining us. Deep in the pit. I mean, I'm God. I'm surprised by some of Shoya's reactions sometimes. She says, "Full go full steam ahead with the pit gallery and with my uh, machinations for my meal." So, yes, I will. And thank you all for joining us on this journey this week in Bachelor Nation. We hope that you all are safe this Thanksgiving. If you are bored and looking for some other material, you can subscribe to our Patreon, www.patreon.com/gameofroses for all of our bonus content and anything we come up with. Sometimes we're experimenting. We did a little fun experiment this week.
0: And of course, thank you for sending us all the beautiful tidbits that you are sending us. I love to sit in the bottom of the pit and look up and see them drifting down like snowflakes, each beautiful in its own way.
1: Tid, tid, tid. Ting, ting, ting.
0: And before we go, what is the duab at?
1: It has been 6,814 days without a Black Bachelor. Praise be Lord Harrison.
0: Please rate this podcast. Please review this podcast.
1: And I need an easy install and this only takes about two minutes to set up the frame using the Aura app. Aura frames are Wi-Fi connected, come with unlimited storage so you can share as many photos as you want from your phone to your mom's frame. If you are a wine lover like myself and you got to have it for your bachelor viewing parties, I'm going to let you in on a little secret. I found the personalized, the most personalized wine club that has amazing wines and exclusive perks called First Leaf. As a First Leaf member, you get to try new wines and I'm guaranteed to enjoy them because they got to know my unique preferences. I answered a few questions on their website, this quiz about the flavors you like, how often you drink wine, Monday nights, if you prefer red, white, or rosé. And based on these, it gives you this amazing selection of wines tailored just for you. And when you rate those wines, it gets even more tailored, a la, you know, uh, Netflix. Just play into the algorithm. My algorithm got me both Rosé and white wine, my Mm. favorites, and they were so delicious, and I've gotten to enjoy them with many of my my friends.
0: Look, being part of the First Leaf Wine Club also has perks. As a member, you get access to their incredibly helpful wine concierge. So if you want wine pairing advice or you want to talk about the wines in your box, you can always talk to one of their experts. Plus, you get member-exclusive pricing.
1: What's in the
3: box?
0: On every order. Join... The club today and discover new wines you'll love with First Leaf. Go to try roses to get your first box. That's tryfirstlea dot slash roses. Try roses.